Chapter 18 of With Links of Steel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Harvey. With Links of Steel by Nicholas Carter. Chapter 18 At Cross Purposes. It was not quite noon when Nick Carter and Chick arrived at the house of the Hindu snake charmer. They found Pandu Singh at home with his interpreter, and the two detectives were very cordially received. Nick quickly disclosed his business. We wish to borrow your personalities for a short time, also some of your curious garments, he explained to Pandu Singh through his interpreter, who also was a Hindu of superior education. The snake charmer appeared greatly surprised at such a request, but Nick readily invented a very plausible story to serve his purpose, without disclosing the true occasion. He soon persuaded the foreigner to grant his request, moreover, and the amazement of Pandu Singh and the interpreter were redoubled when they beheld what followed. This was the extraordinary transformation of their visitors. Nick had already outlined his plans to Chick, and they at once began operations. First, they placed the two Hindus in chairs near the windows, where the light revealed every peculiarity of their swarthy features. Nick next adjusted a large mirror upon the table and placed his makeup box nearby. Using the interpreter for his pattern, Nick then set to work with grease paints, powders, false hair, and the like, and at the end of 20 minutes, he had, with most artistic skill, converted himself into a startling likeness of his model. The addition of the garments, already provided for him, made the remarkable transformation absolutely complete. Chick had not been idle meantime, but with equally clever manipulation, had made himself into a counterfeit presentment of Pandu Singh. The astonishment of the two Hindus and their delight as they beheld the progressive changes so artistically made could scarcely find expression in words. At the end of an hour, when the two detectives stood, robed in their strange Indian attire, one would readily have declared that four genuine Hindus, rather than two, occupied the apartment. Having thus paved the way to his next move, Nick easily prevailed upon the Hindus to remain indoors for a day or two, lest the deception should be discovered and his designs perverted. He and Chick then returned to their waiting carriage, and half an hour later it drew up at the Fifth Avenue store of Venner and Company. Chick alighted and led the way in. In order that he might do most of the talking, and shape his course by whatever might occur, Nick had decided to personate the interpreter. Yet both detectives had carefully noticed the peculiar characteristics of the Hindu tongue, and believed that they could imitate it so cleverly as to prevent detection. Several facts, which Nick then had no way of knowing, however, operated very quickly to betray him and the crafty ruse he had adopted when Venner personally met them at the store door. First, Kilgore had shrewdly reasoned that Nick's first move, after the disclosures made by Pillow, would be that of thus getting positive evidence against Venner, 
and the crafty diamond swindler had warned Venner to be on the watch for the detective and to handle them in a way to serve their own designs. Furthermore, when visiting the theater with Cervera, Venner frequently had heard Pandu Singh talking with his interpreter, and before Nick fairly had begun speaking, Venner penetrated his disguise and saw that he was up against the two detectives. Yet, despite the unexpected characters in which he now beheld them, the nerve of the polished knave did not weaken, nor his countenance in any way betray him. He at once proceeded to follow Kilgore's instructions. Ah, yes, I recognize both you and your interpreter, said he, in reply to Nick's dignified greeting. I have frequently seen Pandu Singh at the theater, where I am admitted to the stage with Senora Cervera, the famous Spanish dancer. Perhaps Pandu Singh may have seen me there. Nick gravely bowed, then pretended to interpret the remarks to Chick, who immediately began to bow and smile, at the same time glibly responding in a jargon that would have staggered a Chinese laundryman, yet which sounded as much like Hindu as anything. Had his own situation been less serious and the entire outlook less desperate, Venner would have laughed at the consummate dignity and soberness with which the two detectives cooperated in their exchange of unintelligible talk. My employer, the great Pandu Singh, bowed Nick, says he remembers the friend of the great Cervera. I am glad to hear it, cried Venner, shaking hands with Chick. He has seen the splendid diamonds of the great Signora, and has heard that they came from your magnificent store, Nick then went on to explain. That is quite right, bowed Venner. Many of them did come from here. Is Pandu Singh looking for some diamonds? Nick promptly bowed and noted a gleam of satisfaction in the depths of Venner's eyes. The great Pandu Singh soon returns to his own country, replied Nick. He wishes to take with him as a gift to her august excellency, the Empress of all the Indias, six fine jewels of equal weight and value. He calls here to learn if you can provide him with them. Venner plainly saw the game that was being attempted, and it suited him to the very letter. Does the great Pandu Singh wish to purchase diamonds? he asked, bowing. Diamonds, yes. Are they not for the Empress? I should have thought of that, certainly. Only diamonds will answer. Of large size and the first water? The great Pandu Singh would consider no other. Alas, then, this is most unfortunate, Venner now exclaimed, glancing about the store. You see that we are making some repairs here in the walls of our store and vault. That is plain, bowed Nick. But what has that to do with the diamonds? Only this, replied Venner with feigned regret. During these repairs I have removed all of my most valuable diamonds to a vault in my private residence. For safer keeping? Exactly. I will explain to Pandu Singh. Wait a moment, Venner quickly interposed. Tell him also that I have at my residence the very gems he desires, six magnificent diamonds, 
precisely alike in weight, purity, and cutting. They cannot be equaled in New York City if in the entire country. Are they fit for an empress? They are fit for a goddess. Ah, that will please Pandu Singh. Tell him also that he can purchase them at a marvelously low price, cried Venner. Now, if Pandu Singh will come to my house, say, early this evening, he may see the diamonds and examine them at his leisure. Tell him that, Mr. Interpreter, and say that I will send my carriage for him immediately after dinner. Say, too, that he may then see the diamonds both by daylight and lamplight, and so observe all the variety of their magnificent fire. Really, this will be greatly to the advantage of Pandu Singh. Nick gravely heard him to a finish, and with never a change of countenance. Yet, like a flash, one of those marvelous intuitions characteristic of this great detective, Nick Carter had suddenly grasped the whole truth. That conflict of the previous night, the flight of three of the Diamond Gang, Pillow left comparatively uninjured in the road, his subsequent disclosures, his extensive knowledge of the diamond-making art, the hints he had imparted, and now this manifest eagerness of Venner to lure his ostensible customers to a suburban home, all combined to reveal to Nick's keen mind the shrewd game by which Kilgore was hoping to entrap him. Nick now knew that Venner recognized both Chick and himself and was serving only the Kilgore gang. Yet Nick bowed without the slightest self-betrayal and said gravely, I will explain the situation to Pandu Singh. For several minutes, the two detectives maintained their curious game of talk. Then Nick, who had speedily planned his own counter-move, again turned to Rufus Venner. The great Pandu Singh will do what you suggest, said he. He wishes to see the diamonds and will be pleased to come to your house. Venner had felt sure of this to start with, though he little dreamed that Nick had guessed the truth and knew that he was recognized. Let it be today, then, said he quickly. At your own pleasure, bowed Nick. I will send my carriage for you at seven this evening, cried Venner with secret exultation. Nick gravely tendered one of the snake charmer's cards. The great Pandu Singh will not keep your carriage waiting, said he, with a dryness to which Venner then was blind. Well, Chick, what say you to that? demanded Nick as they were returning to the house of the snake charmer. Chick laughed grimly. I say that we are now up against it. Right. There's a mighty wicked crisis near at hand. No doubt of it, Nick. Vanner knew us all right. But he does not suspect that we are aware that he knew us, and in that at least we have the best of him. We'll turn it to a good account, too. Do you see the game this Kilgore gang is playing? Plainly, Nick. They aim to lure us both to Vanner's house, and there trap us and do us up. To which latter said Chick dryly. We shall strenuously object. Well, rather, laughed Nick. Still, I can see nothing in evading this question or in making a raid upon Venner's house. If the Kilgore gang are about to lay for us there, it is evident 
that their diamond plant is located elsewhere. They would not take chances of failing to down us and then having their plant discovered in the house where they slipped up. Surely not, admitted Chick. Kale Gower is too shrewd to take those chances. Undoubtedly. For several minutes, Nick calmly considered the situation, then bluntly observed, Chick, I see but one course for us. We must go up against the game and give this gang what rope they want. That's just my idea, Nick. In no other way can we make sure of nailing the entire gang and also locating their plant. Raiding Venner's house would not accomplish it. Some of the gang might not be there or possibly escape us, and we might search in vain for their plant. Then we should have most of our work to do over again. That's right, Nick. So we'll take the one sure way, Chick, said Nick decisively. We'll let this gang continue to think they're fooling us and go up against them till we get the whole truth. That's good enough for me, Nick, nodded Chick. I'm with you. It may prove to be a desperate game, but we'll take our chances. Before night, I'll have laid such plans as will best serve us and possibly circumvent these scoundrels. Here we are at the house of Pandu Singh. Nick dismissed their carriage and entered the dwelling, where they decided to remain until evening. Meantime, Nick perfected his plans and discussed them with Chick. Then a wire was sent to Patsy, the detective's younger assistant, with careful instructions. Seven o'clock came, then half past seven, but no sign of Venner's carriage. Nick readily suspected the true reason for the delay. They are waiting until dark, he observed to Chick. They don't want our arrival at Venner's house to be observed. A crafty dog, this Kilgore. That he is. Never mind. Darkness will serve us best, as well as them. Hark, there's a carriage. Nick glanced from the front window. A Landau, he muttered with grim satisfaction. Yes, that spotty Dalton on the seat. I know him, despite his disguise. Come on, chick. There's rough work to be done in the next two hours. End of chapter 18. Recording by Paul Harvey.